Hi everyone, welcome to A Mobile Mentor. Jay Shetty once said, anyone can be your mentor. It's just a matter of learning from someone else's story. So with that, this is a podcast about navigating life on the move, whether it's from England to abroad, teenhood into adulthood, or personal and professional transitions, all wrapped up in the modern world of change. So take what you need, find your own way, and be happy doing it. Hey team, how's everyone doing? Welcome to another Mobile Mentor episode. This week I want to share something that's super, super, super relevant to me. Super um, exciting to be in the conversation of. And I think quite relevant for the world right now. Um, And it's a conversation on um, specifically uh, navigating life as a woman of colour and an immigrant in a new place. But more specifically in Canada. Um, But I think beyond that, it's um, relevant for everyone who might be listening here for all genders, all backgrounds, all histories, all orientations. Um, And just anyone who's moved to a new country or has moved to a new city or place, because the topic is basically all rooted in having an awareness of people's experiences beyond your own and experiences that are affected by many powers at play, historical pressures, historical structures, Um, yeah, just firm holds on them as a person that either uh, present a challenge to them or present something that is difficult to overcome if you're not in a position of privilege or if you're not in a position of power. So with that, I want to talk to you a bit about a session and a workshop I went to recently um, and it was entitled that, uh, Navigating Life as a Woman of Colour or an Immigrant or as an Immigrant in Canada. Um, to share some more applicable, wider-reaching learnings. And I want to talk to you about the main kind of bits of that talk. It was held by a lovely lady called Daniela Picardo. I know Daniela. Um, she facilitated this workshop. So I want to just uh, pinpoint what really means something to me and hopefully to you. First off, I also want to thank YWCA. It's a charity in Vancouver that does some great work for women in different sectors, from the homeless to those in education. Um, Because the YWCA um, have a mentorship program for young women in schools around Vancouver um, that allow mentors like me or anyone who's in the professional industries or basically anyone who, you know, feels like they want to give back or take part in nurturing a young young woman's life. uh, they facilitated this workshop, so I want to give a big shout out to them and their work is great and also allowing me to join these conversations that perhaps I didn't realise I, I needed to be part of or didn't have an awareness of myself until, you know, these conversations came up as much as I do now. Um, I'm just putting it on and making them available to me um, free of charge. So yeah, um, so firstly on this topic, the reason why I wanted to show up was because I felt like I needed to Um, find some more comfort in the fact that I was in Vancouver because my experience of being here so far has been a little disconnected because I felt a bit like out of whack and out of sync and not as as welcome or as connected as I had felt in London, England and in Brighton. It was almost like a bit of me was missing or a bit of that like solace I found in the communities and in my story was missing here. So I went to that workshop to see if I could find some more comfort and welcome. Um, and ways in which I could, you know, facilitate that for myself in my workplace here in Canada, in my lifestyle um, and where I look for things. So, yeah, that was the reason 
Um, another thing that was really poignant in the session starting was this quote by Barack Obama, which uh, the facilitator shared on the screen. Um, this is half of it. So the second half was, you can still work to create the world as it should be. So it's on this premise that like we do live in a world that's fraught with tension and powers at play and structures that have been set since the time began, but we can all still work to create the world as it should be. So grow up in a place that we want to grow up in and that we want future generations to, to grow up in. So with that, we kind of went into talking about othering and microaggressions. And the term othering means when you treat others as if they're like an alien or different to you. It might be conscious, most dominantly it's unconscious and it's um, a bias that we all hold, but it's like a natural default to how we look at others and how we treat others. And I think this is a really good starting place because the whole premise is around raising awareness of how we other naturally in what we say, what we do, our body language, um, and how we kind of like look at other people who are different to us. So it's trying to reduce that sense of othering and being microaggressive to them. Um, <clears throat> an example of that that she raised affected her was when someone came up to her one time and said, um, how can you be, how come you feel like you're a woman of colour? You look normal to me. And that really shocked me. I had a reaction to that when she shared her experience because you look normal to me has so many things that comes up for it. If someone's ever said that to you or a similar statement in reaction to perhaps how you position yourself or how you feel, which, for example, in this case was like, she um, identifies as a woman of colour. If someone tells you you look normal to me or tells you that you're not, then that's an automatic kind of like, I guess, situation of worry, because not only one, what is normal? Does it bring up that, what is normal? Um, there isn't a normal. And I guess that says a lot about the positioning of where the other person is coming from. Two, you can't discount someone else's feelings full stop. So you can't tell them what another person feels or how another person identifies because only that other person will know. Um, so you're kind of out of that situation. You don't really have that right to tell someone else. And three, um, look is the only sense that has been used here. So you look normal to me. What about all the other things that you don't know that don't meet the eye? There's so much involved in a person's makeup, a character, personality, background that you won't know about. So you shouldn't automatically jump to just that visible sense. So yeah, with this, the most valuable thing I think I took away from that whole session, she presented the conclusion and she said, it's in response to this, it is not the person who feels like a minority or who is in a minority group to educate everyone in they ever meet. That's a big burden to take on alone. It is actually the role and the responsibility of other people and everyone to teach themselves. Now in this world full of information and education, everyone can you know learn for themselves and they should because then it takes a group to change culture not just one portion of you know society or one tiny group to change um, and it's already hard enough on people who feel like they are um, in a minority group or people who are in a minority group they shouldn't be taking on like all the responsibility of the whole society just to kind of you know educate and and change the attitude and responses of others um, all in all Every individual is responsible for themselves, regardless of circumstance. Everyone in an individual like, should be wanting to educate themselves or should educate themselves on things they care about, let's say that. I shouldn't, want, I shouldn't say should. Everyone has that responsibility and power. Um, so, yeah, um, another thing that really came up for me that was important was the fact that otherness and our backgrounds and our heritages are really strong and really great. 
and Daniela asked us to reflect on what our otherness gives us. And for me that brought up, because I stand firmly in being African, 50% and 50% English, for me it was, I feel really great about my heritage and my otherness because it allows me to move fluidly in between two groups, cultural groups, into two contexts, wherever I may be. Um, it allows me to be a bit more, um, I guess, visually neutral because it's hard to place me if you first look at me without knowing where I come from. Um, and it allows me to relate to different classes in the um, in society because not only do I ha do I show up in um, classes that are perhaps in the lower income uh, setting, but I also show up in, um, I guess, more higher income groups. So therefore, I feel like I have that fluidity to um, talk to um, and be approached by and approach different types of people. So I really like my otherness because it gives me that fluidity and it's a gift that I can, you know, meet many. You know, I don't feel isolated or unwelcome in as many groups as if I'd perhaps if I had maybe one um, identity or one heritage heritage I can't speak for everyone that's this is just from me so I'm not discounting anyone else's so please just take that as that's a personal um, conclusion for me <coughs> um, so yeah with this I think it's just really important um, to be aware of immigrant status and um, people who are in minority minority groups because it causes difficulties for those um, it, like if you're not aware you can treat everyone with that um with that same attitude and brand everyone with the same brush and almost speak to everyone as if they have the same sense of privilege and that same mobility and I'm guilty of this I think sometimes when I speak even on my podcast I'm thinking oh we can just do this or we could just do this but actually it's not taking into account the load that some people have to take on and the structures people have to deal with every day and the emotional labor people have to go through every day just to kind of like do a task of someone who perhaps has more privilege. So I think just everyone should be aware. An example of this is perhaps if you're in a company and you notice there's someone who's on a visa in your company from another country. And when someone's just like, oh, just go and ask your boss for a pay rise or just go and ask your boss for this. You can't, it's not easy for everyone to do that because you never really know if they need to kind of like stay kind of um, obedient and stay um, in a very positive relationship with their boss based on their visa status. You know, they need to feel that's the most important thing for them their value is in that so it's not as easy just going up and asking for something that might be as easy um might be easier for someone in privilege yeah so with that just be aware of people around you and all the different hidden factors you might not know in in how you speak to them and, and daniela also raised that this point is really prevalent in literature these days so books and podcasts that you hear that all are just like like 10 top tips for success and like you know beat the rest and you know how to stay motivated and like um, the top performing CEOs do this every day. I think where Daniela posed um, a really strong um, highlight was that these books are written for people who possibly don't go through the same experiences as those who are in a minority group and who have immigrant status or are immigrants. So yeah, um, it's just been mindful. And her conclusion was one size does not fit all. Um, you can't not everyone can try and be the same, do the same, and act the same, because everyone's got their own situations. 
Um, another thing that was really important, I think, after this was how she discussed that credentials aren't everything and you don't need to always seek credentials to get to the next stage of your life. And I thought this reflected strongly in where I'm at right now because um, I was thinking I want to eventually transition into a career that is more rooted in one-on-one -on -one work and is more rooted in helping people and facilitating people understanding themselves. Again, whatever that looks like might change, but um, I guess the first place I landed was like, do I have to qualify as a psychotherapist? Do I have to go through extensive training, get a master's, get a PhD? Um, and although it felt like a really hefty kind of like... Um, project to take on and very financially draining to take on I was like oh I kind of have to do that to get to where I want to be if I want to be in the space but where Daniela and the workshop highlighted for me um, the opportunity was think about what you already have and what you already are like are you enough do you have enough already and it led me to think oh perhaps if I don't go down the very qualified um, let's say normalized route of being a trained counsellor and I go into like a coaching arena could I get there without doing four years of training and hemorrhaging X number of thousand pounds or thousand dollars, you know? So it's thinking about what you already have and the experience you have and the experience you have in the jobs that you've, you've been through or what you put to work every day in your life, the skills you use, what have you done in your part-time jobs, what have you done in your sports outside work, sports in your daily life. Maybe you are in a sports team, maybe you're in music school, maybe you're in art school, maybe you're doing those subjects in your own time and you love them. Maybe you teach you're one of your family members indirectly that every day maybe you're always in conversation about certain topics and you're already you've been in that space for years what can you use as part of your history already to get you to where you want to be you don't always need to follow those credentials and tick boxes um in order to that that might make your life harder and it might make it harder for you to get where you want to be for example if i do spend x number of thousand pounds on a degree again that's let's say three or four years minimum of my life taken out where I'm just a student again, that might take away from the quality of life I've been living as a full-time worker. It might deplete my savings for like future investments, who knows? So it's always like looking at which is the best route to get to where I want to be. And it doesn't always have to be that like one-stop shop and that one solution. Um, yeah, so with that, we kind of ended on um, just living towards, living according to your own values. So don't let others or society dictate value to you. So look at what means something to you, what makes you happy truly. You don't always have to jump to um, how others are living, <clears throat> what others deem as important, and like really dig deep and think, what is success to me? What is happiness to me? What's the best path, path for me? So this was the kind of conclusion that um, she gave to all of us to think about, as opposed to something that we should all do to help maybe others um, that in society. So it was a great workshop I found for like looking at both sides of the coin, both understanding your own position, how you can use your own power in the world, but also how you can use your own awareness to, to help other people and to better the experience in the lives of other people who perhaps don't have as much privilege as you. Um, yeah, so with that, she said, with your values, once you've got them nailed, what's important to you, write them all down, whether it's like family, connection, um, whether it's like saving for a house, whether it's um, you know doing three days of sport every week what really are what things are important to you in your life then she said look at where you can um, facilitate your values um, within your current lifestyle and not trying to you know move mountains by trying to make it happen so for example let's say um, you want to be um, let's say a psych psychotherapist like I said I don't always have to 
drop what I have in my current life to retrain as a psychotherapist for five years and get um, qualified um, in order to help people and do one-on-one work. For me, what's important is like helping people on a personal level and helping them work through things and having conversations and research and like, you know, those aha moments. Perhaps for me, having that that value um, come to life as, can I put that into play at my current job? Can I start, you know, putting that to play outside of work in just a small group of friends? Can I practice with them? And we have like sessions, let's say, that are really informal. Or, you know, could I start creating content of that ilk, which is kind of what I'm trying to do here. How can I facilitate that value in my life that doesn't mean I have to move mountains or change my whole schedule up? And I loved that ending. That was a really great ending because that is really so closely associated where the mobile mentor is and where I am as a host in terms of my outlook on life. It's making sure that you live in a way that makes you happy um, with the understanding of your own self, but also the understanding of society. So you can, you know, you can make life how you want it to. But yeah, um, I hope that was useful and you got some cool nuggets from it. I'm going to put some useful links and um, uh, resources in the show notes so that everyone can access this. Um, I hope you just take some time to just pause and think about your own privilege, but also your own challenges, um, where you can both help yourself better operate in the world, but also help others um, and make the world a better place for everyone. But yeah, have a great day and follow me for the next episode soon. Lots of love. Hi all, thank you so much for listening to the Mobile Mentor Podcast. If you did really enjoy yourself, please hit the subscribe button. We are available on all podcast platforms. And if you want some more nuggets of wisdom, follow us on Instagram. We're at the Mobile Mentor, or one word. If you want to send us an email with your thoughts and ideas or suggestions, we're at mobilementorpodcast at gmail.com. Cheers.